This is Solar Spotlight, a special edition of Contractor's Corner from Solar Power World. Hi everybody, I'm Billy Lute, Associate Editor of Solar Power World magazine. Even before COVID-19-induced supply chain delays, steel has been the subject of federal trade tariffs. And no other segment of solar manufacturing has felt the effect of that more than racking and tracker suppliers. Today, we're joined by Colin Caulfield, Sales Vice President with International Solar Tracker Manufacturer Soltech, to discuss how the company is successfully navigating supply chain challenges and getting trackers in the ground in 2022. So Colin, thanks for being here. Billy, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So what challenges are arising in the supply chain for photovoltaic solar projects? <laughs> that, uh, that's a very broad question. Um, there are many. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll try and break it down piece by piece. Um, you know, uh, for the past, I guess, several decades, but certainly uh, in recent history, as it relates to uh, PV projects in the United States, you know, there's been uh, a total dependence on just-in-time deliveries, um, and especially those that are coming from overseas. And across the entire value chain, especially as it relates to our product, which is trackers, um, whether it be steel beams, uh, piles, um, mounting rails, uh, other forms of hardware, electronics, um, these are all part of a complicated supply chain that depends on many different countries of origin um, to try and get to the best, most aggressive price for, for our customers. Um, and what we saw over the past couple of years is that there were tons of interruptions to that supply chain. Some of them were happening you know, at the manufacturing level. A lot of them, which was global news, was happening uh, on the uh, maritime shipments um, and you know, congestion at ports or geez, even canals that we saw that were famously being blocked. There were all types of interruptions and challenges when it came to getting things on time to sites. Um, so the whole just-in-time delivery thing uh, wasn't as dependable as it had been in the past. And there's been a lot of adjustments that everybody, ourselves included, has needed to make. Um, and I guess what I've been speaking to so far only relates to the tracker supply. But of course, you know, there's, there's PV modules, which is one of the, or the most important piece of this whole puzzle, um, which has had more, um, more challenges, more interruptions. It has all the ones that I was just describing, but then there's lots of political um, tariff implications, uh, you know, other reasons for um, challenges that folks have that are kind of interrupting or uh, adding new elements to the supply chain challenges of the past. So what are the solutions that Soltech is adopting to deal with this? Good question, Billy. I was kind of expecting this one. So it's it's been all about diversifying the supply chain that we have, adding new countries of origin, adding new manufacturers, um, so that we're not beholden to one source or another. Um, we do have a... a bunch of suppliers that are in Spain because that is where our country is headquartered. And this can give us anything from piles to tubes to rails uh, to even the assembly of the electronics, for example. We control also a lot of that supply chain because our team um, does the manufacturing. So we own some of that, which is uh, a great way to mitigate risks and prioritize depending on what the list of projects is that we have in front of us. Um, there's also been a lot of work to 
uh, find new sources for gearboxes and for motors, which in the past had been really dependent on Southeast Asia as a as a source for that. Um, so we're putting more and more work in to find new suppliers um, that are in different locations throughout the world. Um, maybe most importantly, uh, we've been bringing uh, more suppliers on that are local to the United States. So we have more and more pile manufacturers. We have uh, steel manufacturers that can cut our torque tubes and cut our purlins that we hang our modules on. Um, we have hardware uh, providers. Um, and we have the ability to uh, receive material and do assembly of certain components in Mexico or in the United States um, that is allowing us to bring material in and avoid a lot of the tariffs that we would have um, if we were to just have something manufactured and assembled in, in certain countries of origin. So there's been a, a, some shuffling of that and some adding of new potential suppliers. Um, we also have manufacturing lines with suppliers that are in Mexico for the entire caboodle. Um, and this is a nice balance when it comes to uh, having access to a country that has uh, less expensive labor, um, but that is also very close by to the United States um, and takes advantage of some open borders when it comes to trade. Um, so we're not in a, um, incurring the tariffs that you would have if we were importing from some other countries. It's close by, so we avoid a lot of the risk that is associated with maritime shipments. Um, but uh, again, we have some lesser or lower price points than we would if we were supplying from the United States. Um, so those are just generally some of, the, some of the efforts that we're making so as to be able to have a more diverse and more local supply chain, which we see as the name of the game moving forward. So what new challenges do you face given the current circumstances for constructing new projects in the United States? What new challenges, um, as opposed to the ones that I was kind of describing? And I mean, maybe this will be a, a similar answer, but um, I mean, we're seeing that there's been price pressure, of course, because prices have been going up. It's harder for some of the projects to pencil um, that were, let's say, planned back with the you know state of the world starting in, I don't know, call it 2018. There are projects that are finally starting to be built now uh, because the expectations that they had at those times are just no longer the current state of affairs. Um, so I'd say that's probably those are probably the biggest challenges, just that our customer base is seeing that um, they have to totally readjust their expectation either on how profitable a project would be, whether or not it will pencil at all. And if they have any relief going back to their customers, you know, the utilities, whoever the off taker is going to be, depending on what the what is in the PPA, to see if there's a chance to readjust the, the economics of the given project, um, given the current state of the world and costs that we have for materials. At Soltech, which market scope are you actively covering in the U.S.? That is a good question. So, yeah, I mean, folks here probably know us mostly for being a tracker supplier for utility scale projects, like projects that were 20 megawatts and greater um, and coordinating with the EPC of a given project to supply them with the trackers and maybe engineer the plants to some extent. Um, but that was really the limitation of the scope that we had. We did offer some installation services in the past as well. We've uh, really widened those offerings. Um, so now we're focusing on utility scale supply of, of our trackers. We have a one, one portrait product and we have the two portrait product that we've always had. The one portrait product we call the SF1, the two portrait product we call the SF7. Um, 
we still offer some installation services depending on the states where they're being um, where they're being delivered, even for some of those larger utility scale projects. Um, the newer offerings um, are related more to the distributed generation markets. So um, specifically in the Northeast, and there's been some in the Midwest where we've had uh, some success recently bringing on new customers, we are uh, providing full, uh, what we call a BOP contract, um, which is the balance of plant. It's like an EPC contract, except we don't supply the modules. Um, so for groups that are doing big, like these portfolios of several five megawatt projects of distributed generation um, solar projects, we are providing the tracker and giving the entire balance of plant where we're doing the, the civil, we're doing the electrical, we're doing the installation of all the equipment. Um, so it's nearly a, a turnkey solution for EPC just without the, the module procurement. Um, so if folks have uh, these distributed generation support portfolios, we're a great group when it comes to consolidating the supply of trackers plus uh, all of the services that go with putting together the entire plant. You already talked a little bit about your tracker structures, but I guess what would you say is your flagship product for projects in the U.S.? That's a great question. So flagship, I want us, I want to lean towards the SF7 as being the product with which we have the most history. So the SF7 is the two portrait product, and that has more than two gigawatts of installations here in the United States. However, um, we're seeing, especially as it relates to really large utility scale projects, um, and especially those that are in conditions that are, um, let's call them parcels that are very square, very flat, that have friendly soil conditions. Um, we are providing the SF1 on most of our quotations for those projects. Um, the reason is simply that it uses far less steel. And as steel has gone up in price as a commodity, um, that has significantly impacted the overall capex of these projects. Um, so our best bet and our customer's best bet for some of those larger utility scale projects where the conditions are very favorable is to look at our SF1 product. Um, it just has a cheaper price to buy and install uh, in those conditions. However, uh, when projects have challenges in the way of parcels that are bizarrely shaped, where it's hard to get the, the desired peak power at the desired uh, ground coverage ratio, um, our SF7 is a great solution for that. It has better site fill options than the one portrait products that are out on the market. Um, if the site has a lot of slopes, the two portrait is naturally a better solution because it's more adaptable to the slopes without having to do lots of uh, uh, grading of the land or cut and fill or things that are very costly. In fact, more costly than the steel itself. Um, so two portrait is great for avoiding that type of, of impact, both financial and environmental in some cases. Um, lastly, if you're in a situation where there's, there's ground conditions that have a lot of rock or that require pre-drilling or um, even worse, if it requires some form of ballast or micropile or concrete, um, the two portrait solution has about half the piles of a given one portrait solution. Um, so if that is a risk, if ground risk is a concern, um, two portrait really can make a case for itself despite having more steel. Um, so that's the basic plug for one product versus the other. Um, to give a little bit of context, I mean, we were seeing really great applications for our two portrait product in both the Hawaiian market 
and in the in the Northeast um, and, and through the mid-Atlantic. The reason for being is uh, those projects have parcels that are very bizarrely shaped. They have lots of rolling hills and they tend to have a lot of rock to contend with, which leaves us, you know, dealing with pre-drilling and other other forms of challenges that uh, really make the slope adaptability and the lesser number of piles of the two portrait product very attractive. Colin, thank you again for taking the time to do this. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and yeah, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I can be reached very easily at colin.caulfield.soltech.com. I'm Billy Luke with Solar Power World.